Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. This episode's coming to you two weeks after the last episode. I was off for the bye, took a week off. Frankly, I think I took the wrong week off. This is the podcast that shouldn't be recorded. The Jets lose to the New England Patriots 13-54 to in Foxborough. Play a horrible game on all sides of the ball. Have some horribly devastating injuries to the team. And they're 1-5 and five now. Not a lot of positivity around the team. Especially not for the next few weeks. The Jets lose Zach Wilson for two to four weeks for a PCL sprain. We're going to get into all that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of thoughts on this game. I mean, so many things to get to. We are going to talk about the usual stuff. We're going to talk about the injuries and do some updates, father time, what's on tap, offense, defense. Um, I want to skip a bit of <laughs> kind of comb through the offense and defensive performances because, honestly, there were so few redeeming performances in this game from anybody, and we don't really want to spend that much time talking about it. I watched this game a second time, and it was as bad as it was the first time. I mean, the Jets couldn't get a stop on defense. All game long. It took until late in the third quarter where the Jets finally forced a punt. Other than that, it was scores every single drive for New England. The Jets, on the other hand, they struggled to get down the field. They were actually doing all right with Zach Wilson. I think that there was no chance they were ever going to be competitive in this game, giving up the the big gains in the, in the run game and the screen game that New England was getting. There was no chance they were ever going to win this game, but I think they would have been more competitive and we would have had a little bit more fun watching Zach Wilson develop because it looked like he was playing all right early on. But then he goes down. We end up watching Mike White play quarterback. Uh, the defense doesn't make any sort of changes, really. They allow the screen pass to kill them. It becomes very, very obvious just how important C.J. Mosley is to this team and this defense because without him, there's nothing going. The Jets still can't establish a run game. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. But in this one, there's just so much to be upset about. And the referees were annoying in this game. I thought the announcing was terribly annoying in this game. Andrew Catalan and James Lofton, I mean, what a horrible crew the Patriots are not used to having guys like this call their games. Us Jets fans, we are. But Catalan just consistently in this game just seemed like he did not know what was going on. They were sleeping behind the wheel. And it was like the only MO, the only thing they'd come awake for was like the, the goal was to make sure we remind the Jets just how bad they are, how bad they are against the Patriots, how bad they are in specific things. It was the only thing that really created any excitement from him other than Patriots plays and then getting the hammer down on the Jets. And we lose this game so poorly that obviously I'm a little biased in this one, but he's not coming back on my list for a long time. Andrew Catalan is trending down. Anyways, we're going to get into everything. Before we do, I need to remind you to rate, review, to subscribe to this podcast anywhere that podcasts are found. It's under the Gang Green Nation podcast title, series title. This is The Jet Life. So we're going to start with injuries. Marcus May is back on the field. He played 100% of snaps alongside Ashton Davis, who also played 100% of snaps. Uh, other safety, Adrian Colbert, who played a few games for the Jets, as we had some injuries at that position, he was released today. So good to see Marcus May back. Ashton Davis, good to see him getting big snapshots and everything. Neither one of them is playing great right now. It feels to me like we've got two poor tackling free safeties playing, and one comes up into the box, and Marcus May's not really aggressive enough to be in the box, and Ashton Davis can't really cover enough to be a free safety, but also can't tackle well enough to come up into the box. Marcus May can play great deep safety, stop the long pass, but in a game like this, what's the use in that? 
Mac Jones isn't trying to throw the ball downfield. He's content throwing two, three yards every play, allowing screen passes to pick up a bulk of the yardage. And sure, he puts up 300 yards and has a nice statistical performance. But the average depth of target in this game, I don't have a number, but it was low. And it didn't have to be any higher. It was so easy for him to just go back. The only time the Jets seemed to get a pass rush was when the Patriots wanted the Jets to have a pass rush. And then they would just dump it over our head to Brandon Bolden, a tight end, one of the wide receivers. Easy gains, consistently. We didn't put up much of a fight at all. So C.J. Mosley is out for this game coming in. It is clear that he is the most important player on this entire team. I think he makes as much or more of a difference than Zach Wilson. When Zach Wilson left the game, the Jets did get down the field a little bit. Mike White was not good, but, I mean, Zach Wilson has had bad games. The whole defense runs through C.J. Mosley, and without him out there today, nobody can really diagnose a screen pass as quickly and stop it as effectively as C.J. Mosley. When the Jets' defensive backfields take a 5-step drop, 10-15 step drop, and play their soft zones, and the team is consistently dumping it off to a wide receiver or running back behind the line of scrimmage, C.J. Mosley is the only person that can dive in there and shut that play down. Quincy Williams has shown that he can do it a few times this year. Those are the only two guys. Quincy Williams leaves with a concussion. He's going to be out for maybe a week, maybe two. We know how concussion protocol goes. It all depends on how he clears the steps. It's possible that he's back maybe for Sunday. I'm not uh, too confident in that. But shortly after, he will return. C.J. Mosley is the driving force of the defense. He calls the plays. He's got the green dot on the back of his helmet. He gets everybody aligned. He gets everybody kind of confident in what they're supposed to do. Hey, this is what you're doing. He knows the whole role of the defense. And when you've got the defense the Jets have right now, you need a player like him. And so they put Jamie and Sherwood at the signal caller for the Jets with C.J. Mosley out. A huge downgrade. Then Quincy Williams gets the concussion, so you're down another linebacker. And then Blake Cashman goes down with a groin injury, so you're down another linebacker. Already down Homps on the air. Already down Gerard Davis. I mean, this unit is falling apart. And C.J. Mosley's got a hamstring. Hopefully we'll be back for next game. It is so important. He takes this defense up, you know, from arguably the worst performing defense you can find in the league to a somewhat competent NFL defense, all because of him. So we mentioned Jamie and Sherwood, Quincy Williams, Blake Cashman, all, in, all injured in this game. Zach Wilson also injured in this game, a PCL sprain out two to four weeks. So what does that mean? It means he could be back for the Buffalo Bills game. He could be back after that. The Dolphins game is probably when we'd like to see him back. I don't think you want to rush him on two weeks to play against the Bills, but the Jets may not be thinking that way. They may be saying, hey, when he's healthy, you get him on the field. They're not afraid of anybody, even though maybe they should be. As a coaching staff, that's just not in your DNA. They're going to get him out there when he's healthy. So the first thought is like, all right, well, this is horrible because we're now a 1-5 in team that shows really no promise with Zach Wilson at quarterback. We're getting a little bit more banged up, especially this week. And all of a sudden, we're now stuck watching Mike White. It's so reminiscent of Sam Darnold going out with Mono and being stuck with the Luke Falk and how horrible that football was. The Jets weren't competitive. We were here every week talking about just how little the offense could do. You're running Frank Gore up the one hole for one yard carry, and Luke Falk's getting sacked 10 times in a game. I mean, the Jets were very close to having that situation happen again. And at that point, you're just like, all right, well, we're trying to watch the development of an Elijah Moore and a Michael Carter and an Elijah Vera Tucker, but with a guy that's so not ready to play football under center, it's going to be hard for the offense to even be a semblance of what it should be and even run an appropriate offense. They're going to have to make everything so vanilla and so 
easy for a defense to diagnose, it's not going to work really. And then, you know, defensively, obviously, that doesn't uh, affect that too much except for the fact that your defense is going to be on the field all game long. They're going to get absolutely exhausted. They've been on the field all year to begin with anyway, but you're signing up for even more. But then the Jets do something a little crazy that no one expected, and they trade for a quarterback. They trade a conditional sixth-round pick for Joe Flacco. The Eagles had Flacco as their third-string quarterback behind Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts, and there was really no line for Joe Flacco to be playing quarterback this year for them. The Jets are like, you know, they've ignored the backup quarterback position all year. We went in with potentially Captain Morgan or Mike White. They bring in Josh Johnson, who's not even active for these games. He's playing on the practice squad, and they really had nothing there, and everyone was kind of wondering, why is there no backup quarterback? Why does every other rookie quarterback have a competent, you know, veteran either in front or behind them? And Zach Wilson doesn't. Wasn't really a priority for the Jets until Zach Wilson goes down. I don't think they ever anticipated him missing time. They shouldn't. But the minute he went down, they said, all right, we realize that we can't have Mike White playing quarterback, which in a way is kind of refreshing because it's like, all right, they agree Mike White can't be the quarterback. The other side, it's like, all right, well, if you know Mike White's not ready, wouldn't you like to have another mind in the meeting rooms to work with Zach Wilson, kind of help coach him and train him up? But maybe LaFleur wants to have his hands on him all alone, doesn't want another quarterback really getting in there. I'm not sure what the reasoning is, but they did go out and get Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco played for us last year, and he didn't play great, but he played okay. And he's, you know, filled in for two games when Sam Darnold was down, and he threw some decent long balls to Brashad Perriman, made a couple nice plays here and there. He definitely leaves a lot to be desired, but he also runs an offense more comfortably than a Mike White, a Luke Falk, anything like that does. He's not going to go out there and wow the world, but he's not going to be the worst quarterback performance you've ever seen. And you may have gotten that from Mike White. You may have had the worst a worse game than the Patriots game you may have had against the Bengals or the Colts, gosh, on primetime TV. Imagine that. No, thank you. So you tell me now that Joe Flacco is going to come in. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for this upcoming Sunday. I mean, he played with the team last year. He's comfortable with players like Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios. Actually had a pretty good repertoire with Denzel Mims last year. I think in the two games he played, Mims had like seven catches for over 130 yards. So a little bit of chemistry there. Some of the O-line, Connor McGovern, same center there. And it may, you know, the terminology is not going to be on point right away. It's a new offense for him. Um, but the Jets haven't really gotten that deep into this offense. It hasn't been a ton of pre-snap motions. It hasn't been super creative. It hasn't been a lot of uh, real creativity at all. So I think that they're kind of installing it slowly and trying to get people comfortable. I think that the final product of this offense will be much more complex than it is today. So I don't think that's going to be a huge downgrade to get Joe Flacco up to speed. If he's not ready for the Sunday, which I hope he is, potentially, he'll probably at least be suited up as a backup, maybe not starting. He should be ready against the Colts in a week and a half. I mean, he's a veteran. That's what a guy like Joe Flacco is in the league for. It's like, you know what, a spot start here and there, the guy can at least do an all right job. So I'm pleased with that. I'm happy with the fact that we won't have to watch Mike White play quarterback. We actually can see the offense flow a little bit more comfortably. So as down as I was on Zach Wilson being out, two to four weeks is horrible. It definitely changes the trajectory of this team, the excitement level of this team. It hinders his growth and development and hopefully doesn't create any long-lasting effects from the injury. But you do make a move to get a little better. And the sixth-round pick, it's not the end of the world. If Joe Flacco plays a lot, could be a fifth-round pick. At the end of the day, you know, all these fifth and sixth round picks that take two, three years to develop, like, for crying out loud, let's just put 
a better team on the field, however we have to do it, whether it's drafting, trading, signing, just put a good team out there. It's time. So Flacco will help. Um, the trade deadline's coming up next Tuesday, November 2nd, 4 p.m. So we made the Flacco trade. That one's good. They've been talking about potentially trading a guy like Marcus May. I'm not sure if they're going to do that or not. That whole situation's kind of up in the air. My dad wants to either trade him or franchise tag him next year. I don't know if I want to pay him $13 million. I'm kind of in the school of, like, see if you can get a deal done, $8 million, $9 million a year, something like that for the next two, three years, nothing crazy, and then get out of the contract. If you can't swing it, maybe you do move on. I mean, if you're going to be invested in Ashton Davis, maybe you do need more of a box-type safety, um, and then you have to kind of train Ashton Davis to cover a little bit better, deeper, to be a little bit more disciplined in those routes. I think that's kind of the best game plan. Instead of $13 million invested in that position, and if you can get something out of it from a trade, that's ideal. Obviously, the Jets' situation is not good. I mean, they're 1-5 and five here now, and they're not going to be competing for the division or the playoffs anytime soon, not in this season. So you could move him, but if they want to hold on to him, I mean, he is a better player. There's nothing wrong with having a good player on the field, so I'm really going to be all right with it either way, whatever the team decides to do. It just would be a shame to see him uh, you know, play for the Jets, this year, walk away, and then go play for somebody else for a small contract. If he's going to take a small contract, we should be offering it. And then the other bit of news regarding the trade deadline is the Dolphins have been rumored to be interested potentially in trying to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. And that's an interesting one as a Jets fan because you don't want Deshaun Watson playing in the division. But there's a chance that the Dolphins give up a bunch of assets, first-round picks, and then Deshaun Watson isn't able to play, either by the NFL or the USA just says, oh, you're in jail or something like that, and he's not able to play. We don't know what's going to happen in that situation. Um, I think ideally you would want the Dolphins to keep rolling with Tua, see him continue to struggle, and then watch them be stuck in a situation where they don't have a first-round pick and they're forced to draft another bad quarterback and just kind of be in you know, a quarterback uh, cycle like the Jets have been in for the last 20 years. That's kind of what you'd like to see, I think, uh, best-case scenario, because as we can keep the other teams in the division down, the Jets can potentially be built up. I don't know if you know this, the Dolphins are actually in last place in the division. They're 1-6. The Jets are 1-5. So believe it or not, as badly as the Jets have played, they're actually in third place in the division. So it's kind of shocking. Now before we go to the next uh, segment of the podcast, we are going to do a father time and get my dad's frustrations out on this one. This week's father time is called Adjust the Adjustments. This is written by my dad, David Burnham. And here we go. Some adjustments are in order. Yes, Michael Floor usually calls a questionable game, and the defense can look like Swiss cheese, and we were all horrified by our Week 7 game. So are we looking for blame? Not really. We're looking for a cause, and we're looking for a solution. Here are some observations for the Jets' lack of results, and it was made all more clear and evident on Sunday. First, the offense. Zach has the God-given tools to quarterback the Jets, but he needs to learn his craft. In high school and college, he was the best player on the field and could get away with sloppy play. Off-script doesn't work in the NFL as a steady diet. But will he learn? Will he improve? Will he be the solution? He'll have some time to review as he heals from a sprained knee. When he returns, I'm going to be looking for some three-step drops and a throw, rhythm, timing, and ball placement. The type of play will make his long ball effective and make it a feared weapon. Sure, the offense can use some upgrades, when you boil down on offense, it's simple. The success on the Jets largely comes down to Zach Wilson learning, improving, and building confidence, and learning his craft. Now, the defense is too young. 
There simply is no experience or recognition behind the front four. The back of the defense is lost, especially if Mosley doesn't play. The middle linebacker is the link between the front and the back end of the defense, and it was evident that Jamie and Sherwood, Delshawn Phillips, or Blake Cashman don't recognize the nuances of setting a defense. To be fair, Sherwood was a safety in college, and now he's calling NFL pre-snap adjustments in a position that he's never played. It's really amazing how important C.J. Mosley is to this defense. He makes everyone on the entire defense better. His anticipation is uncanny. He is the general and the on-field teacher. I hope that Sherwood, Phillips, and Cashman are sponges because they have a lot to learn. This is more painful than I thought it would be, but our team is very young. But wait, it suddenly got older with the signing of Joe Flacco, which I found out as I wrapped up this installment of Father Time. Welcome back, Joe, and go Jets. End scene. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, Dad, great father time, lots to unpack here. Uh, my dad, you know, he's hitting the nail on the head here. We're all looking for blame. We're all upset. There's tons of reasons to be upset, of course, but the real issue here is something's not working. We need to figure out what that is and then find a solution. So on offense, my dad's right. Zach Wilson has the God-given tools to quarterback the Jets. He is super talented. He's got the arm. He can move in the pocket well, all that stuff. It looks like he wants to learn. But he hasn't grown yet. He hasn't shown improvement. And there are some areas in his game, some gaping holes that are just like, man, if he could just make those quick throws, if he could find the quick read, if he could have some accuracy on the short throws, we'd be in such a better place. And so far, we haven't really seen much growth in those areas. We've seen some lucky throws here and there. We've seen him you know, able to flex that deep ball. And when it works, and you get a pass interference or a big catch. Like, yeah, that's huge. But in between the 20s, the Jets have had a decent amount of struggles. And I... I really would have been curious to see how he played in this game because I thought he was off to an all right start against the Patriots. Coming out of the bye, you know, you're thinking maybe this is the time when he's grown. The Jets were doing some different things in this game with Zach Wilson. I thought he looked comfortable, but at the end of the day, he goes down. We don't get to see it, and uh, that's the end of that. So he's got some time, like my dad said, to reflect. We saw Sam Darnold go down with an injury, and then when Josh McCown played, I think it was his rookie year, Sam Darnold comes back in after a couple weeks. And he plays the best football he's ever played. And he was like, man, everything was made so much more clear. Watching a guy like Josh McCown run the offense, so steady, knowing where to go with the ball, confident, understanding, you know, how to read the defenses and where to go. And maybe Joe Flacco will show that to Zach Wilson. Maybe seeing the the same offense that he's running operated by a different quarterback, you know, the same play calling, but then just seeing the one-two pop, the rhythms, the throws, maybe it'll help him. I hope so. On the defensive side of the ball, my dad's exactly right. The defense is so young, and behind the front four, yeah, you need C.J. Mosley calling those plays because when you're lining up a Quincy Williams next to a Delshawn Phillips next to a Jamie and Sherwood, behind you you've got Ashton Davis, you got Eccles, Michael Carter, and Bryce Hall on the sides. I mean, there's a whole lot of development going on, a whole lot of thinking, trying to figure out what to do. Not a lot of just like, I've seen this before, let's just do it. Not a lot of ability to adapt and change as a game plan, more like we need to learn what we're trying to do. I'm going to get into all that stuff a little bit more after this section. Um, just want to kind of talk about what my dad said. C.J. Mosley, he's right. I'm completely with him. He's the most important player on the defense. I think he's the most important player on the team. But, uh, you know, we'll see what the Jets can do. There's a lot of stuff they need to make adjustments to, and they've got a long year to do it. And at this point at 1-5, and five, they're very close to, like, that experimental stage. And when you're trying to develop these players, there's no reason not to try some new stuff. Hey, if this isn't working, let's vary it a little bit. Let's get some different personnel out there, some different formations. Let's try some new stuff and see maybe something will stick. So thank you, Dad. I appreciate that, Father Time. It was a good one.
Now, before we move on, quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We are going to talk about the Jets versus Patriots performance, and it was a bad one. I mean, we already know the Jets have no interceptions for us this season. Still none. They haven't scored on the first quarter drive. No points there. We haven't beaten the Patriots in five years. Yada, yada. Just a bad performance, a bad last 10 years for the Jets. This game really reminding us all just how bad it is. 13-54 to to New England. Zach Wilson goes down. I mean, <laughs> a nightmare game. We've been there before. We know this feeling. It feels like every time we play the Patriots, one time a year, this happens in one of the two games. Man, not great. So my dad kind of explained at his father time what he thought the issues were offensively, defensively, focusing on, you know, C.J. Mosley and Zach Wilson. I'm going to kind of go over what I think the defense and offensive issues are because there's so many things wrong right now. It's not just one thing. You can't put your finger on it entirely. But for me, when I look at the defensive side of the ball, there's a ton of veterans missing. This defense is missing a lot of its best players. Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, Gerard Davis, C.J. Mosley wasn't out there. Marcus Mays missed time. LaMarcus Joyner is supposed to be a safety veteran back there. You don't have these players out there, so you've got a bunch of young guys. And the, the goal was to develop players. But when you take your veterans out, you're not only taking your best players who are able to help run your defense effectively, but you're also taking the guys that can teach the players and tell them what to do and where to line up. And we saw C.J. Mosley's position where he calls the plays. Jamie and Sherwood wasn't able to get guys aligned the same way, wasn't able to change the defense, diagnose the plays, and stop the plays. That's that one position. But when you look at the defensive backfield, not having a LaMarcus Joyner there, who's more of a veteran than Marcus May, is very established in this league, plays very good, would be a guy that players could lean on. Not having a guy like Vinnie Curry next to a Bryce Huff, next to a Quinn and Williams, someone that they can lean on. It's students teaching students out there. And the Jets need their veterans. On top of that, we mentioned the linebacker group. And the linebacker group decimated the way that it is. It's kind of like the most important part of this defense. So the linebackers stop the screen passes. The linebackers stop the runs up the middle. That's what gashed the Jets in this game. Sure, there's other ways the Jets can be beat, that even if you have C.J. Mosley out there, it's not a foolproof defense, especially not with the players that are missing right now. But it's way better, and it gives you so much more you know, dynamic play and the ability to stop a team like the Patriots to just tear you apart with such easy, high-percentage passes. So those are kind of my issues with the defense. Offensively, I think I was thinking about it all wrong. I came into the season thinking that I really wanted to see Zach Wilson shine, see him take over. We saw him play against the Titans, and the, really the only reason the Jets won that game was because Zach Wilson made some stellar throws. So you're thinking like, man, if he could make more of those throws, we could win any game. We could start winning some shootouts. Then if he can complete the dink and dunks, I mean, think of how good this team can be. And that's what I wanted to see. And I went in with the hope for that, that maybe we'd see a right away Patrick Mahomes, the way Justin Herbert looked last year in his rookie year. But I think at this point in time, we need to understand the fact that Zach Wilson isn't that good today. Doesn't mean that he can't develop into it, but we're past the point where he could just come in and take the league by storm. We all had that hope coming in. Maybe he's that guy right away. It's just like, whoa, he gets it. He's as good as anybody. But that didn't happen. So now he's got to develop. He's got the skills. He's got the tool, but he needs to get better. So now he needs to develop. And I'm thinking, like, you know, how do we get Zach Wilson better? In reality, going into the season, I knew it. The offense, the Michael Floor system was supposed to be predicated on the run. It was supposed to be grounded pound. But somewhere I kind of forgot it and was thinking, like, well, Zach Wilson needs to be better. Zach Wilson needs to be better. 
when realistically the run game has been so inefficient and so lackluster all season that I'm thinking that that's the biggest cause for this entire offensive stagnation. It's supposed to be grounded pound. We've seen the 49ers offense work. When the 49ers offense is working, which is you know similar, we're going to use that as our example, similar to what the Jets are doing here since it's a Shanahan system where Michael Floor came from. When that offense is successful, they're running the ball for 150 yards. They're running for 5 yards a carry, for 10 yards a carry, big chunk yardage. Then they're running play action, and it's very easy on the quarterback. They always said this is a very easy system for a quarterback to work in because it's predicated on the run, and then when teams are all biting on the run, then you start making the passes, you get the play actions, you get some easy open players. But that hasn't happened for the Jets. We're currently third to last in the league in yards per attempt at 3.6 yard per carry. Super inefficient. And I'm not down on Michael Carter or Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman because I think they've all done a solid job. I think the offensive line has been all right also. But they're not great at run blocking on the O-line. Mekhi Becton is the best run blocker that we have. He needs to get back out there. The running backs are not superstars. They're just good players. They're not game wreckers. Not yet. And the offensive line is a bunch of miscommunications, and they're letting people through. And it's causing us to just run ineffectively. Plus, Zach Wilson can't complete a pass deep, so they don't really have to uh, work worry too much about that. They can kind of focus on the run. The Jets are being a little bit too one-dimensional in the running game. They're getting a lot of third and sixes, third and sevens, third and eights, putting pressure on Zach Wilson to make the throws. And then it goes to him. It's not run first, then pass. It's try to pass because the offensive running game is not really working. It's not dictating the game. I think if the Jets can get the run game going, it's going to make everything easier for Zach Wilson. There's a few different ways that you can get the run game going. You can change personnel, formations. You could run more misdirections. You could do variations on a theme, you know, have the same formation and the same look and do it differently. Maybe instead of having two tight ends, maybe having Ryan Griffin and his counterpart, a linebacker on the field, you'd be better off having a Denzel Mims and his counterpart matched up against him, a defensive back. You know, maybe Mims has a better chance of blocking a nickel corner than Ryan Griffin does of blocking an edge rusher or a linebacker. Trying some new stuff like that. Pre-snap motions. Wide receiver runs. Change the offensive line scheme. I mean, get creative. And when I think about it, this offense is going to start clicking when the running game gets going. And that first week when we're like, boom, this is what the offense looks like. And it's coming this year. Some game, at some point, the offense is going to look good. And it's going to be based around the run. The Jets will have 150 rushing yards, and Zach Wilson will look better than ever. Jets have two to four weeks before Zach Wilson comes back. You're playing Joe Flacco. You're playing Mike White. There's really no reason to develop them. You want to get your wide receivers involved, you will have to pass. But I think you get creative right now, and you figure out this running game. You try different stuff. You get more complicated. You invest your energy in getting that running game up to speed so that when Zach Wilson's back, he's watched a veteran play, he's had time to rest and think, and you're back running the ball and doing what this offense is supposed to do. Because Zach Wilson isn't going to win it alone right now. He won one game with a crazy couple passes. We can't rely on that. That's what I think is wrong with the offense. I want to see the run game go. So, see what the Jets can do moving forward. It's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this Patriots game, man. 13-54, to 54, I watched it again. It is so bad. The Jets couldn't stop. Shit, I mean, it was two minutes left in the third quarter when they forced the first punt. They're scoring every freaking drive. You know, when you look at the team stats in this game, it wasn't pretty. The Jets got obliterated. 18 first downs to 32. The yardage, the Patriots had 550 yards. Jets had 299. But the big thing in this game, 
is the Patriots are getting 9.6 yards per pass and 4.6 yards per rush. You would think that in the 54 to 13 game where they're able to rush for 148 yards and throw for 400 yards, that there would be kind of a a big disparity in time of possession. Like it would be all New England. Clearly they always had the ball. But no, it was 32 minutes to 28 minutes time of possession in this game, which is closer than it's been in most games for the Jets' defense because the Patriots were scoring so quickly. 10 yards per pass, five yard, almost 5 yards per rush. It was just so efficient. The Jets couldn't stop anything. And then offensively, I mean, there was some good stuff. The Jets were pretty good on third downs, but they were in a lot of third downs. The Jets were in 13 third downs. The Patriots, they were in 12. And the Patriots completed just as many as the Jets. It was uh, it was a tough game. Felt like the Jets were getting penalized all game long. They only ended with twenty nine penalty yards on five penalties. The Patriots had way more penalty yards. They had that huge mega pass interference for like fifty yards. Mike White ended up throwing the touchdown there to Corey Davis. That was all well and good. That was one of the only special plays for the Jets offense. And unfortunately, it was like right as Zach Wilson was leaving the game and Mike White was coming out. So there was a lot of sadness there. Couldn't even really enjoy the touchdown the way we should have. But in the end, I mean, they were getting so smoked. Who cares? You score now 7-17. to 17. I don't think any of us thought the game was even in hand at 14-0. I think we all knew, like, eh, this game's over in the first quarter, for crying out loud. Talking about the, uh, the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to move through it pretty quick just because why would we want to talk about it? I actually got wonton soup today on a rainy Connecticut day. I opened up my fortune cookie, and it said, one of the keys to happiness is a bad memory. And they're exactly right. Sometimes, especially for a Jets fan, this this rings true. I was happy to get this fortune today. I was like, you know what? I needed that. If you can just forget everything that's happened to the Jets the last 10 years, this last game, it's a lot more exciting and enjoyable going into next week. You don't remember just how bad it's been. And this last game is the one that you want to forget more than any of them, really. Offensively, I think Zach Wilson came out playing a pretty good game. He ended up 6 for 10 in this game for 51 yards. No turnovers, only sacked once. It wasn't a great quarterback rating, 74 start the game. But I think he had a little bit more rhythm than he's had in past games. Maybe on pace for like, you know, 240 passing yards. Probably a touchdown in there because he was set up on like the two-yard line when he left the game. I would have liked to see him play, but unfortunately, we didn't get that. We do know that certainly in his one quarter that he played, it was not as bad as the first time playing the Patriots. So that is good. Maybe some growth and development there. Mike White comes in, goes 20 for 32. 202 passing yards. He throws that touchdown when he's set up on the, uh, you know, two-yard line by Zach Wilson. Gets sacked one time. Doesn't play well. He dumps the ball to the running back over and over. The Jets had 14 running back receptions in this game. 14. Because Mike White's just, you know that Zach Wilson, when he was playing quarterback, I think it was like week four or five, the stat was the Jets have thrown to the running back the least amount of times in the NFL this year. Now, Zach Wilson did start throwing to the running back a little bit more in the next couple games, but nothing like Mike White did. I mean, Mike White was the checkdown master. Running the ball, I said that that's the big thing that's just not going right now. The Jets ran the ball 17 times for 62 yards. That's their season average of 3.6 yards per attempt, which is the third worst in the NFL. Michael Carter ran it 11 times for 37 yards. He continues to be kind of the, uh, the main runner in this Jets unit. He's getting over 70% of snaps right now. We didn't have Tevin Coleman, who I do think is a good veteran and should be on the field when he's back. I think he should be getting the handoffs a little bit more often. Um, But Michael Carter, you know, he's playing fine, and he's getting good runs here and there. 
He just every once in a while gets tackled in the backfield. Some offensive line breakdowns, some stunts go right through. He gets shut out, shut down, and uh, he's not picking up enough big chunks, big gainers to get this offense really clicking. The only big run in this game was Elijah Morris. One rush, 19 yards, his first touchdown in the NFL. Good to see him with the ball in his hands doing stuff. He gets a handoff, his first one of the year, 19 yards. You know, he was throwing a screen pass later in the game or earlier in the game. 13-yard pickup there where he almost got tackled, but he uses elusiveness to pick up 13 yards. And he's just showing kind of like what he can do with the ball in his hands. We just need to get it into his hands in more creative ways. And you can do reverses, double reverses, end arounds, wide receiver screens, slants, some easy plays to get him the ball. I think that he's the kind of guy that could break a big one. And that's the type of stuff this offense needs. Mentioned the running backs getting a lot of receptions in this game. Michael Carter, 8 for 67. Ty Johnson, 6 for 65. I think you could have gone Michael Carter as offensive player of the game, but the fumble at the end of the game, you know, that's a big one. You don't want to have turnovers. That was the Jets' last possession. The game was over at that point. Michael Carter was in the middle of a really nice run there, too, and lost the ball, so he doesn't get offensive player of the game. The offensive player of the game is going to go to someone who's gotten it already this year, and that's Corey Davis. You could say what you want about Corey Davis. He's dropped some balls this year. He's made some bad plays. He's had some bad games this year. But he's the guy that consistently shows up, gets touchdowns, makes plays. He had the most receptions of any wide receiver in this game, tied with Jamison Crowder with four. He had the most yards of any wide receiver with 47. He had the touchdown, the only receiving touchdown. Only targeted six times. Pretty good efficiency. Good game from Corey Davis. He is our offensive player of the game. Crowder had the four for 34. And then you had, uh, you know, a catch for Keelan Cole, a catch for Ryan Griffin. Mims had one in there for six yards. Hope to see him get more involved in the future here. The offensive line struggled to me. I think that they played pretty good pass protection as the quarterbacks were only sacked two times in this game. And you'd think that, you know, with Mike White, he'd probably be hit a little bit more. But the run game isn't really going. The miscommunications are there. When you watch replays of some of these plays, like some stunts that, you know, Greg Van Roten specifically is liable for a lot of them. Connor McGovern's not reading them every single time either. He's having some issues calling them out pre-snap as well. And there's just confusion there that's causing some breakdowns. It's causing some stops in the running game. It's getting pressure on the quarterbacks, getting them hit. You know, Zach Wilson's out of this game because he got hit two times. Both times, by the way, should have probably been flagged. It wasn't. Why would Zach Wilson get any respect from the league? He should just be out for four weeks, and the Patriots are perfectly fine on their merry way, laughing probably about how they injured him and won 54 to 13 crying out loud. So I'd like to see more from the offensive line. we got to get Mekhi Becton back. Probably aiming for like that Dolphins week. I think a lot of players are going to be getting back up to speed then. So that's what we got on offense. Before we move over to the defensive side of the ball, I do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right. This is what's on tap. Today is October 26th. It is the height of fall right now. Foliage, New England wide, and I'm drinking a Two Roads Connecticut beer, Oktoberfest. It is a Marzen-style lager. This is a very fall-type beer. I got it because over the weekend, on Saturday, my sister hosted like a little fall party where everybody was to bring a bunch of different fall Connecticut beers, and we would do some samplings and tastings. So this is one of the ones that I brought over, and actually after trying like, I don't know, eight or nine different Pumpkin beers, ciders, Oktoberfests, uh, fall beers, really. This was the one that stood out to me as the best. And I don't know. It's light. It's not, I don't know what the alcohol percentage is. Five point, oh, it's 5.8% alcohol. Maybe more than I thought. 
Nice 16 ounce can. It's made by Two Roads, which is a good brewery here in Connecticut. Always does a good job with what they make. But it's got like a nice, smooth flavor to it. There's nothing bitter about it. It's got like a, almost like a chocolatey, granola-y sort of flavor. Maybe like a coffee in there. It's like a really light stout almost. And I don't like stouts. They're too thick for me. Um, I don't really enjoy drinking them. But this like has the flavors of that with the lightness of a lager. So I am enjoying this Oktoberfest Marzen-style lager by Two Roads. And that is what is on tap today. Now, before we go over to the defensive side of the ball, commercial. All righty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. Defensively, I mean, what are we going to do? This is one of those games, like, i got to pick an offensive player of the game, a defensive player of the game. Who? Who is standing out in this game is playing really good? Defensive line in this game was extremely quiet. They weren't getting many stops in the running game. They weren't getting anything at the line of scrimmage. There were constantly big holes open. They were basically running right at the middle linebacker where C.J. Mosley would be all game long. Quinn Williams had a few pressures in this game. No QB hits. There was a QB hit for Foley Fadakasi, but not much going on that defensive line. I mean, Shaq Lawson, very quiet, rankin, silent. Bryce Huff, nowhere to be seen. John Franklin Myers had a play or two where he got near the quarterback, but pretty quiet overall coming off that, just got that big contract. Let's see some play. When you go to the linebackers, you know, we said it. Jamie and Sherwood, he was starting out of position. Safety in college, transitioned to linebacker, now playing middle linebacker in C.J. Mosley's spot, calling the defense. I mean, what is going on? He goes down, tears his Achilles, he's out for the year. Blake Cashman is my biggest issue in this game. He's going to go down as the doghouse player of the game in this one because what the heck is going on with Blake Cashman? This guy can't stay on the field. He's constantly injured. The one big thing about him, like we don't really know how good or bad he is at football because he's never on the field. And we hold out hope that like maybe maybe he's got something there because he's kind of quick. Maybe he can cover and be a versatile linebacker. But he's never on the field. He comes out in this game. He makes like two bonehead plays. He has a clear shot at Mac Jones just standing behind the line of scrimmage waiting for a guy to get open downfield. He rushes. Mac Jones does a little sidestep. And just running at him full speed, Blake Cashman goes right by him. The Patriots pick up the first down. Blake Cashman has one chance to make a play. This defense needed it so badly. Get off the field. Make a play. And Blake Cashman has him in his arms, misses him, blows another play, then goes down with injury and is out again. Blake Cashman, I mean, you're never on the field. And then you're finally on the field. And you can't close on the opportunities that you have. You're in the doghouse. Sorry, man. You made me a... My buddy Ryan Hackett gave me a... One of those cameos for my birthday of Blake Cashman wishing me a happy birthday. It was actually like a long one. He was talking about the podcast and how he's glad that I'm a Jets fan and so optimistic and everything. And it was really heartwarming. But the guy can't play. I mean, just because he sent me that video, I can't sit here and say that, you know, I got a lot of hope for Blake Cashman. I think he's about to be out of this NFL. And this particular injury just may be his kiss of death. The only linebacker that, like, kind of stood out is Delshawn Phillips, and he's going to get the defensive player of the game. And the reason he's getting that is because Delshawn Phillips was not supposed to be a main part of the game plan. It was supposed to be Quincy Williams with Jamie and Sherwood. You'd have some Blake Cashman, and maybe Delshawn Phillips would touch the field a little bit. When Quincy Williams go down with concussion, Blake Cashman goes down with a groin, Jamie and Sherwood tears his Achilles, Delshawn Phillips is 
called into the game. He only plays 49% of snaps, so he's not on the field for half the snaps even. But the guy has the only sack in the game. He leads the team in tackles for a loss with two, gets the quarterback hit, and he has the third most tackles on the team with seven. Playing less than half the snaps, more tackles than a Blake Cashman or a Noah Dawkins, Jamie and Sherwood, any of the other linebackers. The only players with more tackles the safeties, Marcus May and Ashton Davis. Folks, you do not want your safeties to be leading the team in tackles. That means that they are consistently getting to not only the second level, but the third level. Marcus May and Ashton Davis, 12 tackles and 11 tackles respectively. That's not what you want to see. Plus, those two players aren't even all that good at tackling. I mean, how many times is Ashton Davis going to be getting 11 tackles and all of them work? He's the last line of defense a lot of times, and he misses some of those. He takes bad pursuit angles at times. I'm still a little bit down on him. I think, you know, he's playing 100% of snaps right now, so this is the time for development. This is where he will get better, and we may see it for sure. 11 tackles in this game, it's a lot. i just like to see him make a play here and there, and maybe a few less mistakes. In the uh, cornerback world, they weren't horrible. They weren't very good, though. I mean, after the first five weeks, four weeks, I guess, the Jets uh, had great cornerback play. You were super high on them because... Nobody was really throwing at them. They were throwing at the tight end. They were throwing to the running backs, and they were running on us. But the wide receivers were pretty much held in check. Last week, the Falcons did a pretty good job throwing on us. Cornerbacks were exposed the most they'd been all year. This week, again, the Patriots did a little bit more than we'd seen early on. So the whole group is trending down just a little bit. I think this defense is getting figured out just a little bit. But, you know, a lot of that comes back to not having C.J. Mosley out there. He truly makes everybody on the field better. So... Not a good performance in the defense. They gave up 54 points, and as bad as the offense was, I think the defense was worse. We got to get C.J. Mosley back. We got to get Gerard Davis out there because this linebacker group right now, I mean, we're, we're like going to be looking for scrap heap linebackers. We're down how many guys? There five. We'd like to be playing three if we can. We got to get Quincy Williams healthy. In reality, like yeah, Jamie and Sherwood's out for the year, but the best version of the Jets' defense hasn't actually played yet. There is a scenario where you have Gerard Davis and C.J. Mosley with Quincy Williams all playing together. A healthy defensive line you know, as it came into the season. And then Marcus May and Ashton Davis playing. And your cornerbacks, your young cornerbacks. That would be the best case scenario of the defense that we could have had going into week one. And it still does exist. All those players are set to be back. We can't have any more injuries in the meantime, of course. Got to get those guys healthy. But I'm holding out hope the defense can get better as the season goes on. Plus, we don't want the Patriots games. We've got some easier games coming up. We still get to play teams like, you know, the Eagles, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Dolphins. There will be some games that will give the Jets some more opportunities to shine, defensively and offensively. Be looking forward to that. And Zach Wilson will be playing a lot of those games too. So there is still plenty to look forward to in this season. All is not lost. When you go to the special team side of the game, where are you going to find a special teams player of the game in this one? Sometimes I think to myself, like, why am I doing it? And I think, like, special teams player of the game, it's not who was a star. We don't give one to every single player that was good. What we do is we find the player who stood out as the best performance. There should always be a best, even if people are bad. Special teams is a difficult unit because there's only so many players. you got, like, a long snapper, a punt and kick returner, a punter, and a kicker. Our kicker in this game missed his kick 48 yards. I don't trust him. Our punter is a backup. Thomas Moore said... He really didn't punt that many times because we turned the ball over three times. We scored two times, and, uh, you know, so we only really punted, what, two three times in this game? Only punted two times. 
So it could be, but eh, nothing super special there. No punts inside the 20, two total punts. We had no punt returns because we only forced one punt and it was fair caught. So you look at the kick return game. Two guys handled kick returns. Braxton Berrios got three, and Keelan Cole got three. All right, so you start to think, who did better with that? On Braxton Barrios' returns, he averaged 25 yards per return with a long of 27. Keelan Cole, on the same number of returns, averaged 22 yards per return, a long of 25. So Braxton Barrios did a better job, lined up apples for apples right next to another guy getting the same opportunity. In this game, Braxton Barrios gets special teams player of the game. Not just because it wasn't a very good showing in the return game. It wasn't bad, but it was just like a totally average return game. But when you can compare him directly to somebody else who's supposed to, you know, be fighting for that job and he wins, that's, you can get player of the game for that. The other options would be the long snapper who actually didn't have a great long snap on the 48-yard missed field goal. And then Justin Hardy who didn't make a great uh, play on special teams either. We didn't really punt, so there weren't tons of opportunities there. But I think he missed the tackle actually. So that's what we got for the special teams. So that's everything, offense, defense, special teams. We are officially done with this Patriots game. We can put it in the rearview mirror. Do as the fortune cookie said. Have a bad memory. Good with me. Check it on the AFC East. Bills had a bye. They're still 4-2. Their next game, home against the Dolphins, 1 p.m. on Sunday. The Dolphins, they lost to the Falcons, 28-30 at the very end of the game. They're 1-6 now, actually worse than the Jets. And they'll be at Buffalo Sunday at 1 p.m. Probably about to go 1-7. That team is struggling. The Patriots, obviously, they got their win. They're 3-4. and four. You look at the Patriots, and you can say, like, you know what, the Patriots are actually not that bad. They're 3-4. and four. Their only wins on this entire season came against the Jets the first time, the Texans, and the Jets. So Mac Jones, is he leading them to wins? Perhaps. But the only quarterbacks he beat, he's beaten so far, Davis Mills, Zach Wilson in Game 3, and then Mike White. So he has not gone out there and beaten any established quarterbacks or any established teams. It's just been the Jets and the Texans. Let's not go too crazy for Mac Jones at this point in time. They play the Chargers in San Diego or in uh, L.A. at 4.05 on Sunday. So they might get shellacked there. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the Patriots to get absolutely hand-boned by Justin Herbert and the Chargers. A real quarterback, a real young superstar. Light him up, boys. Come on. Get him to 3-5. and five, Bring him back down to earth. That'd be great. Other teams we got to check in on, the Seahawks and the Panthers. I've been checking on the Seahawks because we had the Seahawks' first-round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. It's a good one to follow, too. Geno Smith is playing quarterback, which is kind of interesting, a, a rooting interest there. But you're obviously rooting for the Seahawks to lose, and they did to the Saints, 10-13. to 13. They're now 2-5. and five. The Seahawks are 2-5, and five, which puts them at, like, top 10 draft pick for the Jets. That would be... Crazy good return. At this point, even if Russell Wilson comes back and they win out, and when every game that they play against the Cardinals and every game against the 49ers and the Rams for the rest of the season, they would still have five losses, which is, you know, a lot of people would expect that going into this year, maybe they would only have five total losses. Still a lot of time to go. Still 10 more games for them. I think this pick is going to be top 16. I'm expecting to be somewhere in that, like, 12, 13, 14 range at this point. Because even with Russell Wilson coming back, that season is going to be almost lost. And that team wasn't all that good with him to begin with. I think they definitely can lose. 
I haven't checked in on the Panthers much this year. You know, Sam Darnold is there, so a rooting interest there as well. Another ex-Jets quarterback playing. But we have their second and fourth round pick in next year's draft due to the Sam Darnold trade. And the Panthers at first, they were 3-0. and So you're thinking like, all right, that's not going to be anything crazy in the second round. Fourth round, you don't really worry too much. It's like you're, it's in the hundreds. It's such a high pick anyway. What's the difference between 120 and 130? There's not that many teams fighting for the same players at that point. But the second rounder, that means something. And they've lost four in a row now. They've dropped to three and four. Sam Darnold is struggling. He got benched this week after a really bad performance. His backup came in, played even worse, P.J. Walker. They're in trouble. And if those quarterbacks can't pick it up, Christian McCaffrey continues to miss games, that could be a good pick for the Jets in the second round. So you're talking about a high first-round pick for the Jets in their own pick, potentially a high one from the Seahawks as well, then a really high second-round pick in the Jets in their own pick, and potentially another one from the Panthers. They could have four picks in the top 50, and they could have three in the top 15, or two in the top 15. So that's some stuff to be excited about. I don't want to talk about the draft right now. Too early to be talking about that stuff. We've played freaking six games, for crying out loud. we got 11 games to go, but it is something that we're going to follow every single week, Panthers and Seahawks, because it is becoming a little bit more, it's taking shape more, and we are finding less and less positive stuff to root for. So the upcoming schedule for the Jets, we got the Bengals here on Halloween. Very interesting game. We've got the Colts on Thursday Night Football. Without Zach Wilson, that's going to suck. Hopefully it's Joe Flacco there. Then we play the Bills, which is the first time we've played the Bills, and they're really, really good, and they are going to demolish us. And then we got a Dolphins game, and that's kind of lined up where you may see Mekhi Becton. Maybe you'll see Zach Wilson back then. And that's a bad team that potentially the Jets can feel good and you know at least play a competitive game against them. The Bengals, not so easy. They're hot as can be. 5-2 and two now, coming off a big win against the division rival Ravens. Scoring over 40 points, giving up only 17. Their offense is playing pretty well. Their defense is probably playing even better of late. Now, this is a Halloween game, 1 p.m. I think this one's interesting because the Jets are going to be home and potentially could wear all black. Then you could have the Bengals potentially wearing all orange or a lot of orange. and You could have black and orange Halloween game. I think that would be really cool in and of itself. I think they should do that. We'll see how many crazy New Yorkers are dressed up in wild costumes. I bet there will be a lot of them. And then, uh, you know, just a holiday game gives a little extra, little fun, little flair. So I think that's kind of cool. But in reality, the Bengals are hot right now. On offense, Burrow is playing well. They got Joe Mixon, a good running back. Jamar Chase, we knew going into this season, I thought, I was very confident that he was going to be extremely good. He was by far the best receiver in this draft class, and he was one of the you know five can't-miss players in the draft. He had a bad preseason, got me a little nervous, but this guy is as good as can be. He's on pace for like one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons we've ever seen. He's playing with his old quarterback in Joe Burrow. They got two other good receivers in T. Higgins. Rookie, uh, he was a rookie last year when he drafted Denzel Mims. He was in that draft class. And then they got Tyler Boyd, who's a good third receiver. Their tight end, C.J. Uzoma, who's been in the league for a little while, can be quiet, has been hot recently. And, you know, they're probably going to roll against us. We need to get C.J. Mosley back. The only thing I'll say is the, the Joe Burrow-style quarterback isn't really what's been beating the Jets this year. It's been veterans. It's been systematic throws, short throws. It's been Matt Ryan, who can read his zone perfectly as a veteran. It's Mac Jones throwing screen passes with Josh McDaniels, who knows how to, you know, dissect that stuff and beat up a 
a wimpy, wimpy, uh, limited shorthanded defense. If the Jets can get C.J. Mosley back, they can potentially make things a little bit difficult on Joe Burrow. Burrow does have eight interceptions thrown this year, which is a decent amount. He has been sacked 17 times, which is a decent amount. So he's been far from perfect. But defensively, they've also got a great unit. On defense, they got a nice defensive line. They got Trey Hendrickson, a guy I want to sign in free agency. He's got six and a half sacks. Sam Hubbard's got four. They got Larry Ogunjobi, DJ Reader, BJ Hill. All those guys having pretty good seasons. So a nice front. They got a really nice young linebacker in Logan Wilson. who has got four interceptions. A linebacker. Our team doesn't even have a one. They got great safeties. Von Bell, one of the better safeties in the league is Jesse Bates. Nobody talks about him, but this guy's really good. And then cornerbacks, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Mike Hilton, Eli Apple, Tadobi Awozier. It's not a great cornerback group, but when you got a pretty good pass rush, guys like Trey Hendrickson, you got nice safeties on the back end that can move around, do different things. You get a little bit nervous. This is a very good defense. It is a very competent offense. They are in a rhythm. They are kind of going right now. The only thing that you'd say is this is a home game for the Jets coming off a butt kicking where maybe they're getting C.J. Mosley back and maybe it's a trap game for the Bengals. But in reality... You don't have your starting quarterback. You may be playing Mike White. It could be a shit show. I'm going to say in this one, the Jets lose. Can't predict them to win right now. But I think they'll play a little bit better defense against the Bengals than they did against the Patriots. Definitely better than 54 points. I'll say 27. I think the Jets are going to be able to find ways to score here and there at home on Halloween. 16 points for the Jets. They lose 27 to 16 in this one in my prediction. And we go to 1-6. and six and Start looking ahead to a Thursday night football game. Short week. Then we've got like a mini buy, 10 days off, a chance to get some people healthy. You get the Bills there, but if you're going to look past that to the Dolphins, there is some good stuff coming up ahead for the Jets. So it's tough right now. These next few games are going to be bad. we got to be lucky that Zach Wilson had a PCL sprain and is only out two to four weeks, not the entire season. There's 11 games left, so missing two to four. I mean, this guy's going to be playing anywhere from nine to seven games more for the Jets. Plenty of room for growth. We have a lot of young guys out there, as many young guys in the league and as veterans get injured, we're just playing more and more young guys. There's tons of evaluation going on. And eventually, this offense and defense will start to click a little bit. Eventually, it will get better. It's a first-year coaching staff. It's a first-year play caller. First-year having Albert. There. It's just a lot of stuff that needs to come together. And my dad and I kind of found a lot of reasons for it, found some solutions. It's up to the Jets to execute. It's up for them to dissect what exactly is going on with this unit, get the right people there, try some new stuff, get creative. At this point, you don't have a lot to lose. You're 1-5, and five, about to be 1-6, and six, about to be, when if they lose to the Bengals and the Colts and the Bills, very easily a 1-8 team. But it can't all be lost on just that record. You can't just give up everything because this team was supposed to be raw, was supposed to be young. Without the veterans that we have out there, it's just more difficult than it was ever going to be. I mean, a lot of people were predicting, what, seven wins, and then we had guys like Carl Lawson and Gerard Davis go down before the season, and LaMarcus joined really early. So then you were thinking, like, maybe five. I think four is very reasonable for the Jets still. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but there is so much season left. We've played a lot of good teams. Hell, we beat the Titans, who just smoked the Chiefs, beat the Bills. I mean, there is that play in the Jets. It does exist. We just need to see it more consistently. We need to believe it. So I'm looking forward to this week coming up. It's a Halloween game. Find a way to do something festive or fun for it. If they lose, if they get smoked again, 
let it go because, you know, we're just waiting for Zach Wilson to come back. We're waiting for these guys to develop, get better each and every week. If we can see some growth, some incremental improvement from these players, you got to be at least a little bit pleased. A lot of draft picks, a lot of stuff. You know, we're going to do it all again. Same as every year, same song and dance. But they are trying to build it the right way. It does take time, and we are playing at a disadvantage. There's many excuses you can make, but, you know, just... Hold your head up a little bit. It's not the end of the world. It's not our time today. It is still coming. Thanks for bearing through this one. If you made it this far in a 54-13 to 13 loss against the New England Patriots, my goodness gracious. Let's get past this one, move on, get to next week, start winning some games. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. Jet Life.